Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Preseason week one is complete. This is the first time significant draft changes will happen and really should happen in the span of two or three days in all the drafts that you were in. Hayden, point blank period, this stuff matters. I think it does matter just to show you it. I'm pulling up my column from last year's preseason and just going through some of the notes that we had where Jamal Williams was splitting reps with DeAndre Swift. That was a massive hit. Travis Etienne was playing with all the first team reps. That was a hit. Uh, Juju and MVS were the main receivers. That was a fact. CH got benched. But at the same time, this was when Rojo was getting drafted by people. We knew that Pacheco was ahead of him. Antonio Gibson was getting subbed out for J.D. McKissick. He fumbled. He basically got benched for Brian Robinson. Garrett Wilson opened up as a wide receiver for, and this is kind of the thing. Uh, we'll get to Brees Hall in a second, where these guys were playing, but we know how good of a prospect they were, that they would eventually climb the leaderboard. Even going beyond that, Traylon Burks was buried, and this is the difference. Because we had the context going in about how his role would change, how the early training camp reports were mattering. Traylon Burks wasn't playing that much. And then we also had the Josh Jacobs one. That's what everyone's going to keep telling me. Right. Don't overreact to the preseason. Look at Josh Jacobs. Well, in this column I wrote, Josh Jacobs was resting with the starters in preseason week one after that Hall of Fame usage. And that's when we should have got back on board. He was resting with the starters. So the nuance matters, context matters, and the tape matters. So this is how the show is going to work. We picked out more than, I would say, a dozen running back situations, either individuals or team atmospheres that we got a bit more clarity on from this past weekend of preseason week one games. We'll outline the usage. We'll outline the individual performances with tape to show you as well. And if we're adjusting the rankings based on anything or heard anything uh, Mm -hmm. so far, and we'll throw in a few tight ends on top of it. Tomorrow's show is going to focus on the passing games, so the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. So if you like this one, be sure to subscribe to the channel because before we get started, 68% of you who've watched our videos over the last month are not subscribed. Two things. One, that's partially my fault. I'm not bringing it up early enough in videos, but two, probably also on you. So if you watch, you probably like it. It's mostly on me. Come on. It's not so <laughs> All right. Here we go. Massive show. Can't wait for it. And we kick it off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The headline, Travis Etienne, who's being drafted as the running back 14, is by far and away the lead running back on this team. He's the most explosive runner on this team. Played 10 of the team's opening 12 snaps on offense with the starters. There was one third and one situation, the only short yardage situation that the Jaguars faced. Tank Bigsby subbed in for that short yardage, and then once they got into the red zone, we saw a bit more 
uh, Jermichael Hasty action in pure passing situations. So, Hayden, what's your big takeaway from the Jaguars running backs? Well, when they were on the two-yard line, they didn't hand the ball off to ETN, but he was in. So I think this, to me, is a little bit of an overreaction. I will note, though, Travis Etienne is getting subbed out for Jermichael Hasty on passing downs. That is a problem, and that could be a two-minute drill situation. I think Tank Biz- Bigsby is just an early-down handcuff. I don't think he's going to be the goal line back. I think that will be Ooh. Etienne's job uh, to start. I think that Etienne would really have to fail, and he hasn't been very consistent at that. But Tank Bigsby also is playing on special teams as well. So to me, I haven't been loving drafting Travis Etienne, but in the fourth round, there's like not that many options. To me, he's like properly priced. I don't think he's a bell cow. We shouldn't expect him to be a bell, bell cow. And that's why I think that his ultimate ceiling is a little bit capped in this role. But I don't think that we should be vaulting Tank Bigsby up too high because he's still playing special teams. And I think that Jamichael Hasty will be this the passing down back regardless. Interesting. I'm not going to say I slightly disagree with you. Um, but again, the headliner of all of this is that Travis Etienne is this team's best runner. He is their most explosive runner. But it has stood out to me that on multiple occasions when talking to the media, whether it be Doug Peterson or offensive coordinator Press Taylor, they have continuously said that, hey, we were inefficient in short yardage situations last year. And you can take Travis Etienne and how he scored four touchdowns on you know 40 red zone rushes last year. Mm-hmm. You can also take, and Nate Tice pointed this out to me, in all short yard situations from the one-yard line to the one-yard line, they were 31st in running back efficiency last season. And then Press Taylor says that is the reason why we wanted to add someone else to this backfield mm-hmm. on top of Travis Etienne. I will say, I think parts of the fantasy community have taken – Maybe this Tank Bigsby thing a bit too far. He's running back 43 right now that, oh, maybe he's just more talented than Travis Etienne who's going to overtake Travis Etienne. I disagree with this, and not every team is going to make it as binary, as black and white, as like the Detroit Lions did last year of, Mm -hmm. hey, once we get inside the five-yard line, we have another back that's thrown in there. Part of me kind of thinks the Jaguars might be one of those because, again, mm-hmm. it was the only third and one situation, short yardage situation that we saw from this past weekend for the Jaguars first team offense. And they made it a point. The only snap that Tank Bigsby got with the first team was that moment. It was, but he all ETN was still at the goal line when they did pass that so like and maybe it's a that maybe point, split usage situation to, to, at that point maybe they are using this preseason to test things out right which makes sense mm-hmm. so tank in that short yard situation he gets an opportunity and he right. failed he failed on it but that doesn't matter as much as the attempt but then also as we have also heard from practice from john chipley who's been all over this so good. um travis etn has been getting some work inside of the five and i think if he fails at it and maybe he does get the first opportunity at it yeah then that's when bixby comes in that's the definition of a dead zone running back. And we haven't been drafting these fourth round running backs often. And that's why we've been pounding the table on this Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders tier, very similar usage and stuff, but in round six. Yeah. All right. Bears running backs. Cleo Herbert being drafted as the running back 37 took every single snap with Justin Fields. Now that was only seven offensive snaps, but that is notable when you consider that Deontay Foreman's also being drafted just 11 running back spots after at running back 48. Tristan Ebner was a part of this offense. And then Roshan Johnson was all the way down at running back four on this team so far at running back 52. Yeah. So all of them were in a three down role. Like even like Deontay Foreman was staying in on third downs, but it's very clearly Khalil Herbert first. And he had scored that really long touchdown on that screen pass. He was then pulled 
Deonta Foreman goes in. Tristan Ebner was weirdly third. And then Roshan Johnson, I thought, had a very good day. But of note, he's fourth in the pecking order right now. He played 13 snaps on special teams, which to me kind of indicates you're the third running back on the team. They're not going to put Deonta Foreman or Khalil Herbert in that role. So I think that Herbert should go up a little bit now that Mm. we have some more confirmation here. But I don't think this is like far from settled yet. I would not be chasing up steam with Roshan Johnson, even though he saw a target, he had a target in the flats. I thought he had three decent runs. I think there's a chance Roshan can get there, but a lot has to go right in an offense that really doesn't use the running backs all too often. As we saw last season and all these stats versus film shows, it was a two for one dynamic in the bears running back room last year where David Montgomery got two, then Cleo Herbert got one. Could that be the case here? And sure, we didn't even get to really see three series with this running back room, but it was two for Khalil Herbert to start, and the next one went to Deontay Foreman. Is that possibly here? I can see that, and I also can see the fourth drive going to Roshan. Like, I think that this thing can get really messy here, but I think all of them looked good. Like, this Khalil Herbert screen got out of there in traffic. Which has been a weakness of his game in terms of passing situations. And I think that's something I wanted to talk about is watching these guys. When I'm looking at pass, uh, like, just running backs in in the pass game, their feel of when to get out in space versus stay in the block and like reading linebacker and stuff, I think is like one of the more underparted underrated parts of their skill set. And I thought that was a good rep for him. I've outlined it. It was actually in our running back sleeper show, how Khalil Herbert to me is one of the more underappreciated runners across the league. Just looking at his advanced metrics in terms of not allowing negative runs to happen, but then also creating yards for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's the most talented of this group. Now I test, I thought Roshan did quite well in terms of I thought he looked fluid. I thought he was creating yards on his own as well. But based on week one of the preseason, we have to track it in week two and week three. If Ebner is healthy and if he eclipses him and then what happens with the Deontay Foreman, because if we do get the back that is, you know, two series, then everyone else gets stuff then to me, I'm actually comfortable still Mm -hmm. drafting Khalil Herbert where he's going as running back 37. And that might end up being a value. Yeah, I think there's a chance that he could be like a flex play this year. Okay. Buffalo Bills, and namely James Cook up next, being drafted as running back 28. James Cook played in every single snap with the first team offense in the first two drive drives, including immediate red zone work after the team got a turnover inside of the 20-yard line, three straight carries, and a touchdown on top of that. He looked good. He was uh, obviously very fast. Uh, I didn't think that the Bills, like there was a couple reps in there where I thought Dalton Kincaid was struggling in the run game, but I thought that James Cook definitely made the most of it. Though those red zone carries wasn't like they were goal line carries. They just happened to be like 10-yard runs. Uh, But yeah, this is good news for him. Damian Damian Harris has still been sidelined. It's kind of been a problem with Damian. Latavius Murray was locked into the number two job. He played a bunch of snaps kind of later on in there. Um, so yeah, I think this was like positive for James Cook. I don't think that just because he scored a red zone touchdown means we know who the goal line back is going to be. I think there's a difference between carries from the two yard line and carries from like the 12. By the way, all these charts that you're seeing me throw on the screen, they come from Nathan Yonke of PFF. I mean, maybe no one does better charting of preseason usage than Nate. Go follow him on Twitter. The link is in the description down below for this in- invaluable resource over on PFF right now. Um, Look, we, we've talked to Ryan Heath. We've talked to Reeves, who have been really advocating for James Cook in year two. Based on those, I, I think I might be changing my tune the most on him versus any other player going back from, I don't know, May until this point. I, I think there's a real chance that James Cook emerges by far and away as his team's lead running back. Um, 
for multiple factors. One, we look for touchdowns and we look for good offenses. He's going to be on a team that scores touchdowns and on a good offense at, at the base level. Now, have many of those gone to running backs in the past? No, but we've also seen Josh Allen change the way he plays the game in terms of getting you know running backs connected on checkdowns more often. Um, I love Damian Harris. Two years ago, he was basically Jamal Williams light, but right now he's injured. Latavius Murray, who they brought in for the goal lines, is you know on the wrong side of 30. I think that they're going to give James Cook maybe the opportunity to do everything at first and then start pulling things away if he starts to fail at it. But from what I saw, I thought he looked really good. Would you take him over like Rashad White, for example? Yes. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, that point blank period, it's going to sound super simple. The Bills are going to score so many more touchdowns than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. That's, Sometimes it is that simple. When you're it's just fighting between two teams, you yes. know? Uh, talk to me through Dalton Kincaid because his usage was quite interesting. I'll throw up this chart again. Six snaps, all six with the starters. Dawson Knox saw three. And again, that was inside the red zone and it was outside of it. And we've heard about this 11 half personnel. Yeah, so Dalton Kincaid, I think, is going to be in two tight end sets only. They got him in there to block. I think they were testing him. And I thought he was getting kind of thrown around there. He was he was ending up on his backside a little bit. But it's really limited reps. They got him out of there. Um, I think that Dawson Knox is good value for where he's going just because it's so much later than that but they didn't pass really in this game at all so it's like hard to like tell what exactly is going on but like that 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 play for example that was Kincaid getting thrown around yeah I like that term that you use we're testing him because I think even if they didn't start inside the 20 yard line they were going to open these three straight runs just to see how Dalton Kincaid was going to look um as an inline tight end mm -hmm. and then they started testing him with that Obviously, some in this 11 and a half personnel and, and some not into it. We'll talk more about the passing game and the wide receiver usage uh, on tomorrow's show. But there's some interesting wrinkles and facts that we took from that as well. Philadelphia Eagles time. Lots to sort through here because all of the returning running backs sat out, meaning Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. And typically, when running backs or any players sit out, they're either veterans or they're starters. Um, so that left DeAndre Swift as a running back 25 starting that led to Rashad Penny playing as a running back 34. And we also saw, you know, everyone else in line after that. So what was your interpretation of this? Because I think a lot of different factors go into deciding how we are going to interpret this. So Sirianna said he wants to get all of his running backs hit and tackled before the season starts. And he just thought that it would be smarter if he got Swift out there and Penny out there first because he doesn't know what he has in them. He's never coached them before. So DeAndre Swift goes out there. He plays first, does not get subbed out. Uh, his last play was that big run out in space where he completely dusted that player on the edge and actually finished. It was a very impressive run. Rashad Penny played second. He also didn't run out or rotate out. So like it was just like, all right, it's Rashad Penny's turn. Typically in Philadelphia, they've been like rotating it like third downs versus early downs. We didn't see that. Rashad Penny's numbers weren't that impressive, but I thought his runs showed a lot of patience and burst. And there was not a lot of wiggle room behind that offensive line, but I thought that Rashad Penny had a very good game as well. I'm guessing next week we're going to see Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott play a lot more and DeAndre yep. Swift and Rashad Penny not playing more. So really what this comes down to is who is the best player. And I think it's going to be Kenny Gainwell, like in two-minute drill situations. I think Swift will get a chance, and I think Penny will get a chance. And I don't think we should be drafting Boston Scott or Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon had, I hate to say it, a brutal game. <laughs> You hate to see it. Okay. I just have a couple questions because mm -hmm. 
when information comes out like this, it almost forces us to ask more questions rather than give answers at times. Is there going to be one player that just takes Miles Sanders' role? Like, to me, the answer is no now. You know, everyone's searching for who's going to be the other ball carrier inside the 10-yard line other than Jalen Hurts, who can finish as the running back 15 in the season, who's going to take Miles Sanders' spot. And I don't think that there's it's going to be that easy this year. Yeah, I think Kenny Gainwell is going to have his normal role where he's out there for 40% of the snaps, not really doing a whole lot with them. I think that Penny has the best chance to turn into Miles Sanders, but Swift did start ahead of Penny. So I, I don't have any of them ranked inside my top 30 running backs right now. Okay, well, DeAndre Swift, is again, is being drafted as running back 25. Penny is running back 34. Kenneth Gainwell as running back 51. Any alerts for you that this is actually a pretty significant negative for Rashad Penny. Like he has such a small contract that maybe there's like a 10% chance he doesn't make the team. Yeah, I think there's there's something like that. But I also think that Rashad Penny has elite upside and I'm trying to play for first place. So like a, the pick 100 is like not going to really cost me that much. I'm, I'm looking for upside. Okay. We'll move on. This is one to monitor once we get Gainwell and once we get Boston Scott yeah. back on the field later on this preseason too. Ty Chandler and the Minnesota Vikings. Ty Chandler looked awesome. He dominated first string running backs here because we know Alexander Madison sat out and he was electric. I mean, he was not just good as a runner. He was great at creating yards for himself as a receiver. My ears perked up that as soon as we saw that outcome, uh, the team brought in Kareem Hunt for a visit, but nothing, you know, materialized from that. Uh, to me, he is going to take on, at the very least, this backup handcuff role to Alexander Madison. But there is such a clear difference to me, Hayden, of what other free agent running backs got paid compared to what Alexander Madison got paid. And not to skip ahead here, I think there is a chance that Ty Chandler is going to take more pieces of the pie from Alexander Madison than Madison did from Dalvin Cook previously. I'm completely waving the white flag on the Dwayne McBride uh, buzz. He's on the roster bubble. He didn't look good on his carries, subbed out on passing downs. Ty Chandler had that three down roll. It was a big game for Ty Chandler because his training camp buzz has been pretty iffy. And there's been a lot of like iffiness with, with everything. And O'Connell kind of confirmed that he said that he was pleased with Ty Chandler after this game, but he noted that Ty Chandler has been super inconsistent. So he needs to keep seeing this from him. But the key is, I think there's a chance he can play passing downs. I don't think that that's a very valuable role necessarily for fantasy, but he at least has the size and this three down usage, at least from this game where I moved him up way up my rankings. In fact, I actually have him now inside my top 150 overall. I'm going to be trying to buy him as much as I can over the next couple of weeks. He isn't even being drafted in every single underdog league right now, running back 63, 205 overall ADP. By the way, we just opened the Puppy 3, so if you're watching this right now, immediately afterwards, go and enter, maybe max enter the Puppy. It's one of your favorite tournaments, $5 entry. It fills quickly, so go and get in on it. Um, Ty Chandler, yeah, I mean, Kevin O'Connor even afterwards said, loves him, get his nose into defenders, create yards for himself. I mean, just when you see a back who could possibly take like a two-yard loss and convert it into a four-yard gain, or turn a three-yard gain into a seven-yard gain. Like coaches just eat that stuff up. And that's yep. consistently what we saw from Ty Chandler in this contest. I don't know how much the Vikings will throw to their running backs, but I do believe, again, I want to reiterate that I don't think we can take previous 
Madison to Cook dynamics because I think the backup here is actually it's a closer um, yeah. it's a closer gap than what we saw of previously. Everything runs through Dalvin, and then if he misses time, that's when we get Alexander Madison production. Does that make I sense? Think I think it's perfectly said. And that's why when you can go watch our, our running back dead zone videos, at least to me, I was ranking Alexander Madison after the likes of like Damian Pierce, for example, because I think there's more likelihood that some of his perceived workload, which is the definition of the dead zone, uh, gets taken away than we're expecting. Yep. New Orleans Saints. Lots to talk about here. Alvin Kamara played. He's suspended for the first three games. Jamal Williams was first up in his absence. And then Kendra Miller played. But then Kendra Miller suffers a knee issue that is going to force him to miss another one to two weeks of action. How are you handling all this? So with Kendra Miller, he's already missed a decent amount of the rookie offseason. Uh, it's apparently to the same knee. Apparently, they hope that he's going to be ready for week one. But I just think that it's hard for him to get onto the field. I was just looking at their um, contracts. Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara are paid handsomely into next year. So it's not even just this year. It's two years down the line for Kendra Miller. I, be, I, I have to move him down. Jamal Williams, not, nothing really changed with him. I did think that Alvin Kamara looked pretty spry. Mm -hmm. He hit one of these runs between the tackles, and I've noticed a lot of this after watching all these rookie running backs. He, like, jumps through the, a gap, like a small gap. Everyone else kind of, like, goes like this and runs through it. He's athletic enough to, like, actually just jump uh, right through it. Um, I thought he looked good. He played with most of the first team reps. Actually, I think it's, like, 10 of 12 snaps over there. So okay. I thought Alvin Kamara looked pretty good. I think that the gap between Kamara and Kendrick Miller should be really wide now. Very well said. Alvin Kamara. And part of this, as we have seen, is when players are going to be suspended, they probably see a bit more action. Uh, mm -hmm. But man, Alvin Kamara looked electric. And if the goal here is to get him back to, and this wasn't how he was used, but less of a workload and then maybe more of early season Alvin Kamara, uh, he looked, I'm not going to say just as spry, but had more of that juice than what yeah. we saw. But to bring this all the way back, because again, this knee issue for Kendra Miller uh, dates back to his final game at TCU all throughout the draft process that he got surgery on, missed the first portion of camp, and now a sprain is only going to keep him out for one to two weeks? I think that drags out. I'm no doctor. I think that drags out. Doesn't that make Jamal Williams just like a total smash for the first three weeks of the season? Yeah, I think Jamal Williams is going to be probably somewhere going to be ranking in like the flex territory for the first three weeks. I think that he'll mix in just enough. We don't know who's going to be the goal line back right now. I can still see it being Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams, for somebody that got as many goal line touches as he did last year, he's not that big. Like you watch him in like that uniform. Maybe it's the the slim uh, black uniforms in, in New Orleans, but he doesn't look that monstrous. So I moved Alvin Kamara up just a tad. There's a lot of like from like Nick Underhill saying that Alvin Kamara looks. Yeah. a little more spry this offseason. Yeah, I mean, he's going as running back 29. There you can see Jamal Williams as running back 41. I bet that moves up. And then Kendra Miller, I bet he bounces down to the running back 50s territory. Now. He should. He but, should. Josh, I'm not sure if we're doing it right next, but I don't think this was the biggest news for in New Orleans. Oh, well, let's talk about those tight ends. What do you want to say about Jawan Johnson and company? Well, Jawan Johnson's really good. I'm not sure if many people know that, but he's a wide receiver turned tight end. He's a a monster size wise. He absolutely routed this dude up uh, a little whip route, which is kind of like a, a bullshit Mickey mouse route, but he, he really tore him up here on the bottom of the screen gets open and then shoves him off. He also had another uh, nice route uh, underneath for some yards after the catch. 
right here. He was a full-time player. And Juwan Johnson last year was already a top 15 tight end. There was a lot of buzz about Taysom Hill this offseason. This is what I saw on Taysom Hill. I was like, did, was he inactive? And then I kept watching, and then it got into the middle of the second quarter. Jimmy Graham had already been playing a bunch of snaps, and then Taysom Hill comes in. And this is the big difference with the Taysom Hill uh, slappies. Uh, right now, he's at best the, the quarterback three with Jameis and Derek Carr out there. There's no reason to sub out Derek Carr anymore. He's an actual functional quarterback. He's like the real tight end right now. Like There was no wildcat. There was no bullshit for Taysom Hill. He's like a rotational tight end three, tight end four on a team. He goes so high. Yeah. He, to me, he, sh he should be almost undrafted. I know that there's this theoretical upside, but the odds of him hitting that are substantially lower this year than they were last year. Juwan Johnson's the guy that's going to be out there all the time. I think Juwan Johnson has a chance to really pay off this ADP, especially if Michael Thomas looked how he looked uh, in the last game. He had two red zone opportunities that were both pretty rough reps out there. I think Juwan Johnson should go way higher, and he's another one of these late-round tight ends that did not get enough respect. Stop drafting Taysom Hill. To your point, Taysom Hill's being drafted as the tight end 19, 164 overall. Juwan Johnson, the tight end 22, 182. He was so playing far. behind Jimmy Graham. Behind yeah. him. Yeah. And to your point, the Taysom Hill stuff, a lot of it came from rushing scores. I mean, he had a ton of rushing scores last year. Yes. It wasn't receiving scores. So yeah. that is a package that they might be less willing to run when it's not Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston at quarterback. And instead, it's yeah. Derek Carr out there. And three running backs now. They have Kendra, uh, Jamal, and Alvin Kamara. Why? Jamal, Why? who scored 14 touchdowns inside right. the two-yard line last year. Yeah. And just going through and watching this, you can tell when teams really invest in their offensive line when their stars are out there. The Saints offensive line, a few pieces of change. You know, Trevor Ping's coming there at left tackle. Mm -hmm. Andrew Pete's missed a ton of time. Um, but their offensive line was pushing people around. Like, that is such a significant factor. Such mm -hmm. a significant factor in all of this. We'll stick with the rookies. And we'll go next to Zach Charbonnet out there in Seattle. DJ Dallas got the start. And I would say that that's mainly probably because DJ Dallas has been healthy in all of training camp. Zach Charbonnet just returned about the week prior. Um, but what stood out to me was Zach Charbonnet. He ran hard, especially met Lewis scene in the lane, in the alley twice, planted him. And it's just great to see a prospect that we really liked on an NFL field and just seeing how, how they look, because to me, that's like one of the most, you know, intriguing parts of preseason action. Yeah. I just wrote in my notes. He was as advertised on passing downs. He finishes hard after the catch. He can definitely run you over. I thought his timing uh, getting out into the flats was exceptional. I think he just looks like a polished player. The other note I had in Seattle is Kenneth Walker is back at practice or expected to be back very soon. So that groin injury, they, they told us it was precautionary and in fact is precautionary. Kenneth Walker on early downs, Zach Charbonnet on passing downs. This is, I think, the best one-two running back punch in the league. They're both young, so it's kind of, kind of bold to say that. But these two guys, I think, are going to be very, very good players in the NFL. And when you see a player fill in the gaps of, let's say, the presumed starter in Kenneth Walker, that's a positive. Like, Kenneth Walker a home run hitter who changes ball games, but like this <laughs> <laughs> was very inefficient. And we outlined it a lot in terms of a lot of bad interior or just general offensive line blocking leading to negative runs in short yardage situations. Um, but maybe, Hey, Zach Charbonnet, when he can drop his head and might be illegal at times uh, convert that again, that fills in. And it's exactly why you draft a player of like a thunder and lightning approach here of, of these two backs. 
but this is what I was talking about. Is it's this rep. Like he, he's looking, make sure there's not a blitzer and then gets down there. And like the timing of that turning your head, like that's a skill that like just takes reps and Charbonnet's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I will be intrigued to see if he gets more practice time. If he does supplant DJ Dallas, who I think got the first eight snaps and then Zach Charbonnet got sure. the next seven. After that's that. a lock. That is, that, that's a total lock, but you know, we mm-hmm. like to see these things. We mm-hmm. like to get more information. Jameer Gibbs, speaking of, he was the full-time first string running back with David Montgomery sitting. And it wasn't in just potential DeAndre Swift-like usage that we saw last year. It was in every scenario of mm-hmm. that a running back could play in their first game. Yeah, I thought he looked good at, as advertised once again. There, though of note, he I think he played 18 snaps. I don't think a single one of them was out in the slot or out wide. So it's playing regular running back as every other running back in the NFL does. Um, yeah, this offensive line is going to be good. So just really who's going to get the goal line reps and like how much is this going to translate uh, full time? Like, I'm not sure if we learned a whole lot from Jameer Gibbs, except that he like passed the smell test to me. And there were a number of pass pro reps. I will say he didn't get like planted on his back. He at right. least put his nose in there, which is mm-hmm. a positive effort. It, effort is and, and willingness is is highly important. The other part of this is, as you can see, Sam Laporta got 16 of 18 first string snaps. Sam Laporta is locked into this team's tight end yep. one, and there really aren't any veteran roadblocks to stand in his way. The market caught on to him, other compared to other rookie or young tight ends that we'll talk about a bit later on. And so you're still having to pay a price for Sam Laporta. But hey, other than, let's say, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs, I would say Sam Laporta is probably, you know, shoot in there as for the first six weeks of the season, their number two or three pass catching target. And Josh Reynolds in round 18, of course. <laughs> okay, I'm serious about that one, folks. Devon A-Chain, we're on a rookie run here. So Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson did not play. Devon A-Chain got the first kickoff return, but ahead of him in the pecking order was Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed. I'll get all of the snap counts up here in a moment. But if you're trying to read between the lines here, Devon A-Chain is a favorite of many. He is being drafted as the running back 38 right now. Does that make you nervous at that price tag? Hell yeah. I think he's, this might be the most mispriced player on the board. And I get it. Like you want late season. He can go out there and be explosive, but we're talking about an undersized player who's really behind in the pecking order of all the players in the top 150. Uh, Devon Etienne was like the only player that played significant snaps on special teams. And I'm not talking about like as a returner, I'm talking like punt gunner. Like it's hard to be the 120th overall player in fantasy and also be on punt gunner and Raheem Moser. He was interviewed today at practice and the way that they talk about a chain, it seems like they're like uh, Raheem Moser like is you like call basically like that's his mentee and how he is going to be in a very small role here. Could somebody explain the Devon a chain like buzz to me right now? Cause he's super buried. He's a small guy. This offense doesn't use their running backs. There's still Dalvin Cook who wants to play there, and he still goes as a top 40 running back. I, I really do not understand it. I'll try to explain it from the other side that I haven't been drafting a lot of Devon A-Chain, um, but I'll play devil's advocate here. One, I think he was a shining star of like the dynasty community uh, during the draft process because he was super fast but played like all downs over yes. at Texas A&M mm-hmm. and did break tackles for someone of his size. Uh, we heard about that, you know, entire narrative of, well, he played track previously and so he's just going to add weight now, which is definitely a possibility, and that Mike McDaniel's in love with him. 
Um, I will say on the Devon A-Chain aspect of this, we've been looking for a counterpunch from this Dolphins offense ever since the end of last season. A major part of that is going to be running back usage and Devon A-Chain in the passing game might be a part of that. But look, we opened the show talking about like Tank Bigsby and how he only got one snap with the starters. That is important compared to Devon A-Chain, who was buried as the running back five. We still have two more weeks of preseason action. But if he doesn't get up to at least like the running back three and supplant Miles Gaskin, who I thought ran pretty well, and Salvan Ahmed, then um, this is going to be a major late season player, if at all. And again, you're having to draft that in the running back 30s at this moment. Cancel me. I'd rather have Jeff Wilson this year. Wow. He got paid, man. Hey, do you ever check your statement at the end of the month from your credit card bank account and see just subscriptions randomly there that you either forgot to cancel, want to cancel, don't know how to cancel? I've been there. It stinks. It's this ridiculous process. And that is where Rocket Money comes in. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills All in one place. Sounds incredible, huh? I mean, over 80% of people have subscriptions. And you and them can stop paying for the ones that you don't want. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's like finding an extra 20 or 40 bucks underneath your couch cushion to start the new year. So... Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash underdog. That's rocketmoney.com slash underdog. Rocketmoney.com slash underdog. I'm excited to get more information on that one. But not on Zamir White, because Zamir White started for the Las Vegas Raiders. Seven carries for 28 yards and a touchdown in the first drive. Uh, He owned the quote-unquote Josh Jacobs role. And as you have pointed out, as I pointed out as my favorite player in every single round, uh, Zamir White is probably the best handcuff in best ball right now. I haven't watched this game, so I don't have any comment on the film, except that, yeah, he's going to be the early down guy. Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden are not early down guys. So as long as the Raiders stay afloat, then I think he's got a chance. Josh Jacobs, I do not think is going to hold out into, into the season, but Josh Jacobs runs really hard, has injury history coming off a huge season. I think that he's high up on the injured potential list sadly we love josh jacobs baltimore ravens talk me through this one so jk dobbins just returned to practice today off the pup list the starters with josh johnson at quarterback played 10 total snaps and justice hill was the running back to get those 10 snaps and not gus edwards who came in after him this one scares me um this could be go down as just funky business right here but this was certainly caught my eye justice hill I didn't really realize this. He signed a two-year, $5 million deal this offseason. Gus Edwards took a small pay cut. They're both making good money. In fact, I think that Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and J.K. Dobbins will be the three active players. Justice Hill didn't uh, play special teams in this game either, and that's kind of where he's earned his his pay. I'm curious to see if this is going to be something that holds now that J.K. Dobbins is back in the mix. One theory I have is that Gus Edwards was like going to be the number two back regardless. So they just wanted him in that role here. They also had like Josh Johnson playing ahead of Snoop Connor. So there's a lot of weird things going on here, but I'm softening my stance on the Gus bus until uh, we learn a little bit more. Also, Keaton Mitchell, tiny little guy, small prospect. I mean, tiny. 
tiny. He looks really fun though. Well, don't fall into the trap of those are the types of running backs that everyone loves during the preseason. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to call him out because he was <laughs> fun uh, to watch. That's okay, it. Just to run through these ADPs right now of the Baltimore Ravens backfield because they're, they're constantly changing. J.K. Dobbins all the way up there is running back 22-70 overall. Gus Edwards is running back 57-177 overall. Melvin Gordon is actually He's cooked. the next uh, as running back 84. I doubt he makes the roster. And then Justice Hill as running back 93. Um, all offseason, we've heard that this team is going to run more 11 personnel, that this team is going to spread the football out, uh, and that they're going to try to incorporate their running backs in the passing game more often. As much as I love Gus Edwards, he is a north and south runner to a team. And so if the goal is to spread things out a bit more, Justice Hill does fit that more mm-hmm. than Gus Edwards. But that doesn't mean more touchdowns. That probably just means more reception. Yeah, I do think like in these huge tournaments, best ball mania, puppy and stuff, Justice Hill is getting drafted 0.0.0.0% of the time. I do think that he's worth a dart throw here and there. But I thought Gus Edwards played well. He had a three-down roll when he did get in there. We'll see. Washington Commanders. Brian Robinson was the early down runner. Antonio Gibson was the late down, late down runner. I want to put it that simply because still to this day, Antonio Gibson is being drafted four running back spots earlier than Brian Robinson. Should that hold? Yeah, I don't, I don't really get this one. Gibson did have one drive by himself and he also did play the two minute drill. Um, but that was also going into halftime, which you don't love to see players playing into halftime in, in preseason week one. Um, especially with the backup quarterback, Brian Robinson looked okay. There's one run that kind of drove me nuts that he went, went to finish with a truck stick instead of actually trying to pick up more yards. But that's what you're going to get out of Brian Robinson. Totally. I don't think we learned a whole lot here. We've been ranking B-Rob ahead of Gibson. I don't see a reason to change it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to push this Brian Robinson propaganda too far, but it just doesn't make too much sense for me for an offense that has three legit wide receivers. And it seems so defined of these two roles to continue to take the guy that has like this theoretical upside in Antonio Gibson when we're getting the guy who has the week in week out opportunity in Brian Robinson, just a little bit mm-hmm. later on. Can't wait to show that Jahan Dotson clip in the next episode. Ooh. So nasty. Yeah. If you're watching this on like Wednesday or Thursday, go and watch our wide receiver and quarterback version of this, because there's so many there. notes that I'm like <laughs> pocketing with all these teams that we've already talked yeah. about, because there's actually a bunch of wide receiver movement. Another reason to subscribe to the channel. Uh, other than Hayden forcing us to talk about Chiefs running backs and naming Clyde Edwards Elaire right now, I will take the floor over to you. Yeah, I mean, they started the game and went screen, designed a little flat route to him, then a bunch of runs. Uh, he looked fine to me, nothing crazy. Jarek McKinnon subbed in on pot passing downs. To me, he's the early down insurance play to Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco still not practicing with contact, did not suit up because that hand and sh- shoulder injuries. Um, we'll see. Daenerik Prince came in there afterwards, dropped the pass immediately. I don't think that Daenerik Prince is actually seriously uh gonna keep CEH off the field. I think CEH is a good pick still. It was just it was just interesting that the, like the first five plays of the game were CEH. What's up? What was up with that? Okay. To outline this once again, Isaiah Pacheco did not play because he has like a shoulder and ankle and had surgery this offseason. Jarek McKinnon did play, but subbed in just for three of the nine first yeah. team snaps. And it was really just in pure passing situations at the start. To me, that means that he that's like his role that we know. It's over. It, yeah, it can it. It can still be super productive, as we've seen with those explosive plays that we've seen last year. Um, 
Now, do I think that CEH is a threat to Isaiah Pacheco if he's healthy? I, I don't think that's the case. I will say, wasn't it last offseason where we didn't know it, but Clyde Rosier had gallbladder surgery and lost like 15 pounds? He looks yeah. like a thick boy now, like real thick. He's a thicky. That's he, sure. he, he is he is a bowling ball shaped player at this moment, like getting his best Mike Tolbert uh, action in there. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just not as into Clyde Rosier as you are. Um, I thought he really lacked burst, but it has to be like a significant injury to Isaiah Pacheco for him to get like real value to me. I'm not that worried about Pacheco, but he still isn't practicing yet. It's August 14th. We're, we're getting a little bit closer. Next up, Carolina Panthers and Chuba Hubbard. Um, we've heard all offseason, Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Blackshear, in some ways going to be this backfield. Um, it stood out to me when the Panthers had their first team offense out there that Chuba Hubbard played all 11 snaps with yep. Bryce Young, and there was zero Raheem Blackshear a part of that. And Miles Sanders sat out with a groin issue that is still keeping him out of practice right now. It's almost like a pro Miles Sanders thing. I know everyone's going to get mad at that because we've been pro Miles Sanders. But the fact that they said we want a three-down running back and then they use Chuba Hubbard as a three-down running back, maybe that's indicating that Miles Sanders is going to play a bunch. Because there were situations where they could have put someone like mm-hmm. Green Blackshear in in pure passing situations, either as a pass catcher or a pass protector. Heck, we've heard from beat writers that they're going to get creative with LaVisca Chenault and use him as a running back. And we saw him play pure wide receiver in this game. I love the point that you just made that, Hey, there was one back out there with the starters on all three downs. And I would be shocked if that's not miles Sanders, if they continue to have that usage. Yep. That groin, just please hold on. Miles Sanders. We need that groin. Tajay Spears looked electric, dude looked electric. Now we do have Derek Henry back at practice now. But Tajay Spears did not get the start in this game. Hassan Haskins did. But as soon as he was subbed in for Hassan Haskins, the running back 54 in all drafts for you, Tajay Spears, to me, Hayden, looked like a real player when he touched the ball. I haven't watched this game yet. So I'm going to throw on some tape right now. What I loved about Tajay Spears is look at his upfield cuts. It almost looked like a little skip of time. And it's like a one to two extra yard quickly jump. Uh, mm-hmm. forward progression that he gets. And and man, I understand. I understand that this is only if something happens to Derrick Henry, but what we're getting out of Tajay Spears at that range as running back 54 is a player that they have called a three-down workhorse, you know, and, and a team that has used a three-down workhorse in the past. And I'm just glad that we're seeing the talent who ripped up your USC Trojans out of Tulane, and it looked to me, a one-to-one carbon copy of that because sometimes it doesn't translate, mm-hmm. especially with the style that Tajay Spears has of, hey, drawing you in and then making cuts and creating more space after that. Again, it, it looked like the same player on the field. That's exciting. Very exciting. Uh, should we do some qu- – no, let's do tight ends. We need to talk about tight ends here. Uh, let's kick it off with the Denver Broncos. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big conversation. So – Uh, Everyone knows that Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos now. Sean Payton loves his dudes, okay? Sean Payton this offseason traded for Adam Troutman, okay? So the Denver Broncos played 20 first-team snaps. In fact, they kept Russell Wilson into seven minutes left in the second quarter because it just was not going well. And Adam Troutman played 15 of those 20 snaps, and Greg Dulcich played just 10 of them. And their ADP does not connect with that at all. 
I mean, we've talked about this a ton. That Greg Dulcich is a promising player. I actually do think he's like a legit wide receiver, but if he's only going to be playing 11 personnel, that means he's competing for targets against three wide receivers. The yards per route run on those sets are way worse. And the first thing that Peyton did, he signs Chris Mannertz, who was not even, by the way, was not even playing in this game. Yes. Chris Mannertz, a veteran, so it can get worse for Greg Dulcich. And then traded for Adam Troutman, his boy there, immediately started, had a tight end screen to Troutman. I think Greg Dulcich, I have him ranked in the tight end 20s. Here's my take about the tight ends. You guys are awful at the tight end two, three market. You guys are just terrible at it. So give me the uh, guys that are too big and just going to flop around. We hope to get six touchdowns. Those guys project better than these guys that are undersized. Based on this usage, it is absolutely insane that Greg Dulcich is being drafted as the tight end 12 right now. 132 overall. And there are some points to this. And it was both in 11 personnel and 21 personnel that Adam Troutman was staying out there. And to your point, 21 personnel or 12 personnel, I should say, is when when Greg Dulcich got into the game. And Chris Manhurts is literally an extra offensive lineman out there in the field. One of the best blocking tight ends in the league. If we're going to see two tight end sets out of this team, yeah, and Chris Manhurts is going to be in on those. It How they talk. The words that they use to talk about Greg Dulcich as like a joker, as an offensive weapon, does not mean an every down player right now. And we need to draft. I know we need to draft every down players as top twelve tight ends. They also use a fullback. Uh, By the way, Javante Williams, even though he's one hundred percent, didn't play this game. Some something's up right there. Um, More fullback means less tight ends too. So it's it's a disaster. It's a disaster for Greg Dulcich. We have talked about a couple tight ends that we are not in on, despite them being drafted higher. Let's now talk about those year of the late round tight ends that we absolutely love. And we'll kick it off with the Ferg daddy, Jake, mm. Anderson, who right now is still on the board for all of you in the 18th round, 17th round of drafts as tight end 23. We know how much Dak Prescott loves to throw his tight ends. And Jake Ferguson has emerged clearly as a top option. Yeah, He's out there as a full-time player, got three targets, made one hell of a catch down the seam. The thing about Jake Ferguson that people don't realize is back at Wisconsin, he was supposed to be like a dude in the receiving game. He had like, as like a freshman, had good numbers, was on pace. It Things kind of didn't work out. But also Wisconsin passing offense, usually not very good. Jake Ferguson is going to go out there and play a ton. Ferg daddy down the seam. Love to see it. This is the guy that I have ranked in my inside of my top 16 tight ends. I think he's a legit tight end two candidate. I love Jake Ferguson. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. He is... You know, we've talked so much about Dalton Schultz and how he was, what, the tight end four in points per game and tight end 10 in points per game attached to Dak Prescott. I've been wondering if that's a Kellen Moore thing or if that's a Dak Prescott thing. I think Dak just loves the safety blankets of of tight ends. And as we've seen, he played 13 of the 17 first team snaps. Like, this isn't a Luke Schoonmaker. It's not a Peyton Hendershot tight end room it is headlined by jake ferguson and again you're able to get that in the 17th round and that brings us just to the next name on this list luke musgrave who in my favorite pick in every round was that player for round 18 the way that you're able to get luke musgrave hyper athlete massive size with no veteran roadblocks ahead of him in the pecking order um this is just another case where I would much rather take shots on these tight end 23s and beyond versus that tight end 13 to 18 range. 
I have him inside my top 150. He's my tight end 15 in my updated rankings. There, it could not have been a better day for Luke Musgrave. Immediately uh, gets this leak play where you can, they use him out in space, get that big body moving. They have him on this crossing route where just Jordan Love completely missed him, which, by the way, is probably a good thing for the Luke Musgrave drafter because he would probably still be running. And then they drew up a screenplay for him, which also got deflected. If that would have gone, I, or if he would have caught that, that thing would have gone to the house. But more importantly, and I threw a couple clips in here for Luke Musgrave, he was in line blocking. There was a touchdown run where it was basically his seal on the run that made it for an easy touchdown. This dude looks really good to me. All the training camp reports have been very promising, and it's just hard to find usage like this guy. So thankfully, I was mentioning Luke Musgrave on every single show this entire summer. And if you go back and watch the video where I outlined my favorite player in every single round, we talked about what happens when this team goes four wide. You can see it right here. It's not like they bring in a fourth wide receiver in Samori Torre or whoever else. They literally just detach Luke Musgrave mm-hmm. from the formation. Um, I think this team is just going to use a ton of misdirection, and we'll talk about it tomorrow a bit more often. But what we get out of Luke Musgrave is once you get him on the move, he is just a train. And just, I'm amazed that people are allowing this type of player when we see the ADP of Dalton Kincaid, when we see the ADP of Sam Laporta, that you can get him in the 18th round right now. I will repeat this point. I don't think a player's ADP is going to change more positively than Luke Musgrave from now until week one. There was even a play where he was on the bottom of the screen and they just sent him on a go route. And he actually created separation, didn't get a target, but you don't see go routes from tight ends very often. Uh, what, What a stud. Kate Otten was also a very similar scenario. Played every single first team snap. I think that's all we need to say. And he's another one of these guys you can get out by the top 20 tight ends. <laughs> it just doesn't hit as hard when you're moving like Kate Otten. <laughs> well, he's attached to Baker Mayfield. Right. But also, it's a Kate Otten thing, too. No. I, like, Trey McBride has been in the same conversation for many people. And then today we got the news that Zach Ertz is going to return to camp. Wild. So, to me, that is a veteran roadblock right. in the pathway of you know, Trey McBride to be an every down player. We, we want these guys to be every down players. I know we keep mentioning it, but the three that we just talked about are versus mm-hmm. the likes of Trey McBride and the likes of um, Greg Dulcich. I will say to go back to Jawan Johnson, he's not going to be an every down player, but is that okay for you? I think he'll be in close to an every down player. Why don't you think he will be? Well, they brought in another tight end this off season too. Yeah. Back him up. Okay. doesn't matter. Interesting. Jawan Johnson's too good. Quick notes, rapid fire stuff you want to go through while I uh, put up Deuce Vaughn's highlights because, uh, you know, the people want to see more of Deuce Vaughn, who, you know, didn't play ahead of Rico Dowdle, who didn't play ahead of Malik Davis. But as soon as he got in there, uh, Deuce Vaughn was certainly making things happen at his diminutive size. Yeah, my only other note was that Malik Davis just isn't good. And like when we did our one show earlier this offseason, I watched his tape. It just he just doesn't have it. They need Zeke. Like, let's just be honest. Like this Deuce, Deuce Vaughn stuff is kind of fun, but Deuce Vaughn came in third, played a lot of special teams. Uh, they just need Zeke Elliott. Okay, I'll I'll do some quick rapid fire stuff here. Sweet. Um, Damien Pierce did not play for the Houston Texans. Devin Singletary did, missed a pretty egregious pass pro rep and not a good thing. I know it's him. like on a veteran on a new team and we've seen other players do that across the league, but man, it just reaffirms to me that this team is going to run the crap out of Damian Pierce, especially when you look at their tight end usage plus fullback usage. This team's going to run the ball a lot this season. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I have a lot of coaching takes for the Texans. That was a super sloppy game from everybody. We'll, we'll talk about those tomorrow. Bengals running back too. You know, I'm in on Travion Williams. It stands out to me that they still haven't brought in another veteran, and maybe they are optimistic about Trevion Williams because then Chris Evans got the start and Chase Brown ran after him. And while they both, you know, had their moments, um, I don't know if they would be comfortable having either of those players on the Samaje P. Ryan role. And if Trevion does miss, that's just more chips in the corner of Joe Mixon being a real every down player. Yeah, Chase Brown played like 13 snaps on special teams too. So I think he's pretty buried at this point. There's no clear Patriots backup behind Ramondre Stevenson. You yeah. Know, Pierre Strong got carries. Kevin Harris got carries. This team is sniffing around the veteran uh, running back market as well. And to me, it would be a player that probably fills in the weaknesses of Ramondre Stevenson, which is once again, short yard situations like goal line stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it might be like a Leonard Fournette. I would be fine if it's Leonard Fournette. I think that would be a good compliment. We need to stop drafting Pierre strong. They're just not good. Those other guys. Um, Oh, Eric gray. Since we're talking about rookies with the New York giants, he played well behind Matt. Yep. Um, he was only playing Eric gray, uh, second quarter, third down snaps, uh, Zach Evans, despite, you know, both cam Akers and Kyron Williams, not playing here. Um, uh, Zach uh, Zach Evans was playing behind Ronnie Rivers, who, by the way, Andrew Whitworth was on the telecast saying, I asked everyone on the team who they wanted to see play in this preseason game, and Ronnie Rivers was everyone's answer. <laughs> so everyone's favorite, Zach Evans, I think has a long way to go to get playing time here. Where did Ronnie Rivers go to school? Oh, man, I don't know. I think it's Fresno State. I think, so. I think you're right. I think you're right. Did we cover it all? Um, only other ones I had, uh, the Chargers. Uh, Joshua Kelly started to battle Kelly versus Spiller. I thought both of them looked good. A different type of run game under Kellen Moore. They were could not run the ball up the middle last year. It seems like they might have something behind a quietly good offensive line. I think more people should be drafting Joshua Kelly again. But I think you basically covered the rest of it. Oh, Evan Hole started over Deion Jackson for the Colts. Yeah. But that's a total mess. Jonathan Taylor, we'll see if he gets traded or not. I think it's Zach Moss is still the guy uh, that you want once he comes back from his broken arm couple more jordan mason your guy ran ahead of ty davis price so if something does happen to eli mitchell i would wager that it is jordan mason's job instead of ty davis price i mean tdp might be on the trace Sermon path yes yes he, he really might be on the trace Sermon path and finally aaron jones i think played the first snap and then didn't play after that and with the rest of the starters um aj Dillon played some packers writer i can't remember who it was suggested that Without Aaron Rodgers and with maybe the styles of change in this offense, I'm not saying because of these snap counts, AJ Dillon might get more run than he has in previous years because obviously the Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones connection was so proficient, especially in the passing game. But again, if we see those changes, maybe a style that AJ Dillon brings might mm -hmm. be more suited to it compared to, again, previous iterations. I don't really draft either of them. We did forget one big one. So I just want to cover this one. The Steelers running back room was Brian Windhorst oh, right. meme. Najee Harris started, but got subbed out early through him. This little freaking swing pass over there, which is a complete disaster spin move for a loss. Jalen Warren got in there, played with the starters, like actually as a rotation, kind of 60, 40 split and had a great run there played more than expected. So I moved Jalen Warren up my rankings. Najee Harris, I don't know where to put him in my rankings. All I know is I don't want to draft him. That's my fault. I'm forgetting the Steelers earlier in this conversation. All right. As you can see, the puppy three is open right now.
If you've never played best ball, you hear us talk about it on every single show. This is the perfect tournament to do it. It has $1 million in prizes, just a $5 entry. Skip the guacamole, skip your Starbucks coffee, and enter the Puppy 3. The link in the description down below. I will match your first deposit up to $100. So if you put in 50 to play the Puppy 10 times, guess what? You can play it 20 times if you use the link and promo code the show on your first deposit. And subscribe to the channel, everyone. We're on the road to 60K. All right. We're going to do one of these tomorrow. Mm-hmm. on wide receivers and quarterbacks a ton to get to hopefully you enjoyed it share the channel with a friend up the villa even though they got beat 5-1 over the weekend nobody cares <laughs>